handcrafted and American-made right here in the USA. B Pro Kennels is bringing you a premium-built dog box unlike anything you've ever seen before. Built from a full-tube frame, aluminum powder-coated shell, built-in lockable storage, and oh, did you forget to charge those dog collars before you left? No worries, B-Pro has you covered with their built-in solar panel and battery bank to take care of all your charging needs while out on the road chasing birds this fall. Give them a serious look at bprokennels.com. You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits. This podcast is also sponsored by Anook Shook Professional Dog Food and Trinity Bretons, home of the Epignol Breton. All good things start with a solid foundation. At Final Rise, all three of their premium upland vests are built around the foundational waist belt to provide you all-day comfort and endless customization. With a secure waist belt and a thin, high-quality shoulder harness, which sits perfectly along the back, holding everything in place. Durable, premium upland gear, made here in my neighboring state of Herber, Utah. Check them out at finalrise.com. Also, be sure to check out the brand new Sidekick Vest, which is the perfect ultra-light, ultra-minimalistic vest that you'll be rocking in the hills this season. Hey, what's going on, everyone? And welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Will Larson, and you are listening to episode 53 of the Upland Rookie Podcast. Well, guys, July is over. It is August, and that means bird season is just a month away now. A month away, we are going to be chasing wild birds. Now, some of us, maybe your season might not open September 1st, but maybe you'll be making a trip. (laughs) Maybe you'll be loading up the truck, uh, getting those dogs ready and heading somewhere new to chase wild birds. So I am super excited. I woke up this morning just pumped. (laughs) My, My Instagram and Facebook feeds are just piled with, uh, you know, countdowns and people, you know, including myself posting pictures of, of last season. And, uh, it's an exciting time. I mean, a month away, we, we, you know, when we think about the hunting season, it is pretty darn short. And for us to, um, I don't know, you go all of, let's say, you know, my, most of my seasons will end, end of January. So we go February, March, April, May, June, July, August, with no hunting and it's tough it's a long grind uh through the the spring and the summer um, i know some of us supplement that time with with lots of different activities or hobbies uh, for me you know springtime has, has been a trial season for me and run some dogs in nastra and try to try to akc trial this past year and then just kids activities and life um, mountain biking getting my dogs out training dogs and so um, you know what what is it for you what what have you been working working on this summer. Um, I know we're, we still got a month to go, but, uh, shoot me a message. We'd love to hear kind of what, you know, what your final goals are for the, uh, the rest of August. And as you head into September 1st, um, is there anything you're brushing up on? 
Is it conditioning? Is it, uh, you know, tr- you know, retrieving woe work, whatever it might be. Uh, speaking of woe work, um, some of you might have, I, I posted a video last week. Um, I, I think it was on my, I think it was on the podcast, um, Instagram channel. And uh, I, I just had an off off morning, off training session with uh, my female win. And uh, it just didn't kind of go as planned. She was just kind of all over the place, wasn't focused, wasn't dialed in. I was frustrated. Like it was, it was just an off session. And I was a little down on myself. I was a little frustrated. So I did this with a smart thing, actually. Cut, cut the session short and said, all right, you know, this isn't going to work today. <laughs> um, and what I did after that, I think I did a session the next day. But then after that, I actually took a break for a couple days. I, I didn't put any pressure on her, didn't do any work. I think we did a two-day break. And you might not seem like a lot, but um, we we did a bike ride, let her free run, had fun, just kind of didn't do too much, didn't do really do any training. And uh, that break really, really helped her. Um, so we were back at it again this morning, first time in a couple of days with, with no work. And man, she was dialed in and she was focused. I could tell when I got her out of the crate, like she was, she was ready to work and she knew exactly, exactly what we were doing. And I bring this up to, you know, just say for, again, some of you veterans out there, you're like, oh, well, duh, <laughs> that's, that's a, that's something we do all the time. Well, that's something that was just kind of a, a moment for me that I learned, um, again, seeing this firsthand took me a second to experience it. Giving the dog a break really, really helped. And so don't, don't be in that mindset of thinking, oh, every day, twice a day, we have to do the grind over and over and over again. We were in that phase for a while going through the breaking process. And I think to some degree that's needed. Um, repetition and consistency is key, but giving her that break for a few days, man, it, it really helped. Um, so I, I felt a lot better. She was dialed in. She didn't forget it. Like it's don't think you're going to go backwards because you take a break for a couple of days um, on whatever you're training, whether it's, um, you know, woe work, retrieving, whatever it might be. So anyways, that's my free unsolicited piece of advice because I learned that experienced it firsthand. And so just wanted to pass that along. Hey, um, I don't have too many announcements for today, except, uh, the July podcast giveaway winner. Uh, the winner has been contacted and it is Colton S Colton S has been selected as the winner of the July podcast giveaway. So, um, he has not gotten back to me just yet. So I'm not sure which prize he's going to be picking. Um, so once he lands the prize, I'll let everyone know what is still up for grabs. And, uh, just a reminder, we got some, um, amazing companies, um, with some great gear up for grabs for the next three months. So, um, in total, we have uh, a vest from final rise, um, again, premium, premium upland vest. Um, one of my favorite pieces of gear I currently own uh, and have been rocking for the past three years. Um, a knife from Upland Knife Company, a tie-out system from Cable Gangs, and a Gunner Fan Kit 2.0. So those items are still up for grabs. Once Colton gets back to me and lets me know which item he'll be taking, I'll update everyone here. And thank you. Thank you for everyone supporting the podcast through Patreon. Um, again, some, some nice giveaways, some nice perks um, being a Patreon member. Um, you can still get in the August giveaway. So if you missed out on the July one, uh, get signed up as a Patreon member in August and you will be entered. Simple as that. It's for as little as five bucks a month. Um, you can get your name in a hat two times actually for the $5 tier. So if that's something you'd like to take part in, feel free, head over to patreon.com, search the upload rookie podcast 
Um, other than that, guys, um, just a quick reminder, haven't talked about this maybe in a little bit. Um, I do have a Facebook page, Instagram, and that's about it. I think I have Twitter, but I never never use that. But anyways, um, if you're on Facebook at all, go like uh, and subscribe to the page over on Facebook. Obviously, follow along on Instagram. Um, that's probably where I'm most active. The other thing you can do to help um, help grow the show, if 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 you want to do anything, if you say, hey, hey I'd love to help the show, um, you know, great. Patreon's awesome. That's a, that's a great way to help support the show. Another way is leaving a rating and review on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, so if you guys have not done that yet, if you just take literally 30 seconds a minute, head over to um, your podcast platform that you listen to, mainly Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and leave a rating and review. Um, the stars and the review, um, written reviews, Guys, those are so fun to read. Those are are heartfelt. I, I read every single one of those, and uh, it helps the algorithm. It serves the algorithm, gods. I don't understand how or why um, Apple has their algorithm, but if someone searches Upland Hunting or Bird Dogs, it'll help this show get up there higher in the feed um, among some of the other podcasts. So if you go leave a rating and review, that would mean a ton. Uh, it's going to help the show get out there to more hunters just like you, and uh, it just means a lot, and uh, it's super fun. <laughs> I mean, it's super, super fun reading those reviews and just seeing the impact that this show has had uh, on some some of you has been very encouraging. So that would be awesome. Um, other than that, we're, man, we're going to dump or dump, jump right into the interview. Uh, again, I don't have too much to go over checking my notes. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, stay tuned this coming week. will actually be another episode of tailgate talk with Jeremy. Um, shoot me a message on a topic you'd like Jeremy and I to unpack. Um, one person did say we, we should discuss his mustache. I mean, that's up for discussion. I mean, I'm not opposed to it. Um, we'll see how he feels about that. But send us a, a topic you'd like us to discuss. Uh, again, these are short 20-ish minute uh, episodes. Tailgate Talk with Jeremy dropping this Friday. So anyways, our guest today, Kenton Bryant. Kenton Bryant, uh, you're actually going to find him on Apple Music, Spotify Music, whatever it is. He's a country music um, star. Yeah, you're a star, Kenton. Yeah, country music star, country music singer, songwriter. I think it's probably more appropriate. Um, Kenton is living in the Nashville area and just a great dude. I mean, I had so much fun uh, interviewing Kenton here. Um, just kind of an, a, a young, old school bird dog guy. That's how I describe Kenton. Um, we have a blast talking about training. Um, his upbringing was was pretty heavy into bird dogs. Got away from it a little bit, as you'll hear, but I'm really excited for you to hear this episode with Kenton Bryant. And he's got a new song out, um, People Think. I think it's called People Think. Let me take a look here. Yeah, people think it's a new song out. He just released last month. Uh, go check it out on Apple Music or Spotify, wherever you listen to your tunes. So, anyways, enjoy. We're gonna uh, we're gonna jump in here. Um, so thanks so much for uh, jumping on the uh, the podcast with me. I think I see. Uh, we're gonna get into the the new pointer pup you got. Was that him walking around oh, behind yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, one of them, man. I got a I got a setter pup. I got two nine or a 10 month old nine month old setter and then i got that pointer pup yeah nice man oh they look they look so good those white dogs yeah. man there's something special about them yeah you know i've i've never owned a a true what i would call white dog you know okay. miller dogs and uh it, it's kind of in uh, getting into the field trial game you know if you ask anybody i love setters but if you really want to be competitive i feel like you pretty much better be around mm. a pointer 
Um, Dude, I have, I have a lot more questions for you on that. Before we go too far, um, why don't you uh, put us on the map? Where are you talking to us from? And tell us a little bit of who you are. Oh, so uh, I'm Kenton Bryant. I grew up in Glasgow, Kentucky. And I live in Nashville, Tennessee now. And I'm very fortunate and blessed to be able to write songs for a living and, and put songs out for myself when I want to. Uh, I've got songs coming out this year with Luke Combs. I've got songs coming out this year with Kit Moore and uh, obviously my own stuff. And I've written songs for Randy Rogers Band and Craig Campbell and Cameron Marlowe. And uh-oh. Got a, got a puppy fight going on. Uh, puppy fight? Oh, man. You know, it's funny. Uh, yeah, I, I never had two pups. Well, actually, I did before I got these two pups, especially inside. So it's it's funny mm. watching them. <laughs> you know, they get the new man. dynamics. Yeah, yeah, they they're, fights, they're figuring man. they're figuring life out right now. You know, and uh, so yeah, grew up in Glasgow, Kentucky, moved to Nashville, and um, kind of it's it's been fun, man. I grew up with bird dogs, and and it was it was a different kind of bird hunting than what I do now. Uh, because it was basically, you know, we had dogs that lived in the kennel outside and we, uh, they were dad's dogs, of course. And he would always give me a pup out of it. And training basically consisted of, there were four or five wild cubby behind the house and right around hunting time, you just took your dog. You know, that was, that was, dog went and hunted wild birds. That was kind of how it worked. And it's different now, obviously. And, and, and those dogs, it was so much fun watching a dog only learn on wild birds. Mm -hmm. I mean, up until probably, gosh, I would say after I moved to Nashville, I never even thought about a liberated bird. You know, mm -hmm. just because we all, I mean, bird hunting was just dogs naturally either pointed the birds and you shot them or they didn't. And, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate to grow up with that. And when I moved to Nashville, I didn't have as much time for dogs anymore. Um, and I've been here nine, this is my nine and a half, nine and a half years now. And uh, <clears throat> so, did that, moved to Nashville. I've been very fortunate to have a publishing deal and write songs and tour the world with Leonard Skinner and Hank Jr. and, gosh, Willie Nelson and, and Kip Moore and, and Gary Allen and just toured with so many people and, and did my own shows. And uh, kind of at the point now where or COVID settled me down, I don't, I'm not as much on going on the road anymore. I, li I, <laughs> I like my house. I like my life. I like hanging out with my wife. And, uh, Those are all good things. That. Those are all they're, good they're, things. They're, great things man and you know it, we've kind of settled in a little bit more and and i we had one dog left last was it fall and a half something i can't remember year and a half year year ago and uh we had one old dog that that was the last one out of my old kennel that last i got that pup probably 10 years 12 years ago and uh for some reason, I said, let's take Bell out. I ain't been bird hunting in a minute and we went and we got into like three covey and i had so much fun um, just doing what we all love to do, which is just run bird dogs, watch bird dogs run. And I, I told dad, I was like, you know, I'm kind of in a position now where I think I could get another dog. He's like, you're crazy. I'm like, no, I think I want to. And uh, so I started looking and, <clears throat> and I knew getting into it, I was like, okay, we've always had good meat dogs, you know, dogs that, that pointed they, but they weren't steady to wing and shot or nothing. And, uh, you know, just dogs that knew how to point birds, find birds, kill birds. And I uh, started, I got online, I was like, I'm, I'm going to find a, a Llewellyn. I grew up with Llewellyn setters. And I was like, I'm going to find a Llewellyn. Closest Llewellyn I could find was Texas. So I was like, we're going to find an English setter. So, <laughs> so found a guy in, uh, in Illinois, and um, I called him, and I was like, he, he had 
two litters uh, out of Aaron's Wild Atlantic Way, which is a all age all age trial setter, uh, real nice, real nice sire. And uh, he this he had he actually accidentally bred two dogs instead of just one dog when mm. he was at this kennel. <laughs> so they had two <laughs> litters they were trying to get rid of. And uh, he's like, hey man, we got like nine pups left. Uh, you want to come look at them? I was like, yeah, sure. So my daughter and I, I packed her in the truck because she's she's six and she loves bird dogs. Oh, nice, nice. I packed her in the truck and I said, hey, let's we're driving to St. Louis. So we drove to St. Louis about four hours, and uh, got there and we're in a parking lot and we're getting pups out <laughs> looking at them. And uh, I told him I called my dad. I was like, I, f- I picked out three. I was like, I like this female and these two males. And which which one do you like? He goes, boy, I really like that black and white male. I was like, well, good deal. Well, I like the tricolor male, and I like this black and white female a lot. And I looked at the guy and said, well, how much you take for all three? Cut me a deal. <laughs> he cut so, me a deal. No way. And I bought three. No way. And, uh, so I bought three <coughs> set cups, yeah. And, uh, oh, my I gosh. Bought, how, yeah. how was that, man? Well, I didn't even bring a kennel because I expected just to drive home with one uh, well, know, sure. 12 puppy. So we had three puppies in the truck driving back from – St. Louis and uh, get a happy experience. Yeah, it was. Well, you know, funny enough, they did great, man. They, those dogs had already been socialized a lot. Oh, good. And so they, they were used to riding around in trucks so and no puking. They really, I think the female rode my lap the whole way home. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So okay, before did, before we go we go too far on that on, on that section you just shared, I have so many questions right now. <laughs> I have so many questions. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to circle back to. I made a note to circle back on. Uh, you talked about liberated birds versus wild yeah. birds and tree. I want to circle back to that in mm-hmm. a second. Um, talk a little bit more about. Okay, so so when you were younger, growing up with bird dogs. Like what? What was that passion for you? Like, I guess where did that passion start for you? Was it just something you guys did? Like that was kind of no yeah. questions, or like when did that really start to formulate and and take off for you when you were younger? You know, I remember my, my first memory of bird hunting. Hey, come here, boy. Um, my first memory of bird hunting. Let me get this dog up here. Uh, first memory of bird hunting is probably getting stuck in a briar thicket with my dad, and it probably I'd say. Way younger than I probably should have been there, probably four or five, you know, because there's a lot of briars, a lot of fence rows, a lot of edges, and, uh, you know, big cornfields, you know, 400-acre, 500-acre field, and you're going all sure. the way around it. And, uh, you know, I, I'll never forget getting stuck in a briar patch, my dad coming and having to, like, fish me out of it. <laughs> but, you know, bird hunting, man, we, my dad always, you know, he always had dogs, and, uh, you know, he and my great-uncle went all the time. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. what they they. And especially that part of Kentucky, there's a lot of bird hunters, in the, especially in the, like, 60s through, I would say, the 90s. You know, a lot of those old bird hunters were there. And, uh, you know, not as many trial guys, but a lot, of, a lot of people had bird dogs. A lot of my friends growing up, I think I was probably the last generation of kids around there where everybody had a bird dog. You know, I, I remember going to friends' houses and, you know, everybody would have an old pointer, an old setter, or Brittany or something tied up, you know, out in the back. And so that was pretty common. Just, it was very common. Yes, it wasn't. It wasn't like a like coon. You didn't. I didn't know many coon hunters, but you know, I would say probably out of ten friends, four or five of them had a bird dog. Okay. Um, so it was it was very common because you know we all had farms and stuff, so there was use of birds. And uh, but but growing up, man, let me get to put this wild thing down here. Um, yeah, I just I had to fire, man, and it wasn't it wasn't hard to do. That's the main thing. And that's that's we'll get into that later. But 
you know, bird hunting was very easy for me to do. It was easy for me to have the opportunity to do as a kid. Mm. And, you know, learn about dogs is, is something that I feel like every kid needs to experience because it's not like deer hunting, man. Bird dogs, mm. are, it's nothing like any other kind of hunting you do because it takes patience, it takes time. Mm. And you learn something. It's kind of, you know, we live in an instant gratification society. And I think when you're a kid, if you do get a bird dog pup, it ain't like, you know, going out to Walmart right now, you can buy an orange vest, some camo, and a 270, and you're a deer hunter. Yeah. But you get a puppy today, and you ain't a bird hunter for a year. <laughs> you got to develop that dog. <laughs> you got to develop the dog. And, then even, and, you know, and going back to, you know, me as a kid, granted, you know, the, the the work that I did on that dog, those dogs then was so minimal. I mean, it was so minimal. It was really just letting them be dogs and letting them develop as, as wild bird dogs. And, you know, I had a lot of fun behind those dogs, lots mm -hmm. of fun. And, and, and there's, I would never take that away because I feel like I learned to enjoy watching the dog that way, you know, mm -hmm. and, and watching bump birds and watching bust birds. But you have a dog that only knows wild birds and he's going to be a lot more careful when he's about six or seven. Mm. It's a different thing, man. Yeah. And, uh, was, was your yeah, dad, was your dad, like, was he just kind of wired this way for, for training your own dogs or where did you learn some of this, yeah. this train? Cause you train a lot of your own dogs now, right? Yeah. 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 So my dad was always, um, self-taught you know it was old school you know it was very much check cord barrel you know old school training and it, we're not talking steady to wing and shot we're talking steady you know you you put the brakes on them you teach them to go you teach sure. them kind of to come <laughs> maybe you get them to come back um but other than that you're hunting and uh and and again it's very utilitarian at that point because you're you're wanting a dog that goes and points birds so you can shoot birds i mean my sure. dad and them man it was nothing for them to go kill three man limit. Sure. Three days a week. I mean, you're and I think out west where you guys are, you're able to do that. But in Kentucky now, I mean, half the time I go out anymore, I'm using a starter pistol because I don't want to kill wild birds. Mm. Uh, because it's just there's there's not as many there, uh, mm. and you got to be so cognizant of knowing how many birds are in a covey when you are hunting. Sure. Because you know, I, I keep tabs on how many birds are killed out of wild coveys behind my own farm, behind the farms <clears throat> I hunt. Because the, the problem that we run into, and I think this is probably nationwide, is, and it's not knocking my dad's generation or anything, but I feel like people took a lot of advantage of killing limits of birds mm -hmm. for a long time, through the 60s, the 70s, 80s, and the 90s. You know, it was nothing for my dad. I mean, they would go hunt four days a week and killing eight bird a man. You know, and, and you get a lot of those guys that didn't care if the coveys were around. They would kill the covey out. Mm -hmm. And if you know anything about quail, especially the Bob Whites, you can't reintroduce them. Yeah. It's, it's that's, so, like, that's their family. That's their, their group. That's, their... that's the covey. And, and, you know, if there's, there's some studies, you, you, I'll send it to you so you can link it in here. It's a really great read. University of Tennessee did it. But, you know, they were, they were trying to do a reintroduction program with wild birds, with, with liberated foster parents liberated birds with wild bird parents oh well wow. you know and the only thing that really worked was wild birds with wild liberated parents foster parents oh um, wow. they had a, pretty much a zero zero return for birds other than that you know over a six month period wow birds that's fascinating could, 
Couldn't make it. So you can't reintroduce them. Like, you can't take liberated birds and let five coveys out on your farm. They're gone. They're dead. They won't make it. Um, yeah. This is literally a zero percent wow. chance. And uh, they, they're surrogators that, that raise chicks, raise eggs to six weeks and try to do it. They've, they've done everything. And the only thing that works is wild birds, pretty much with wild bird parents. And, uh, Interesting. So you, yeah, send that, send that to me if you very, can. Great read, man. And uh, But it's just it goes to show, I think, the conservation side of it. It's the same thing that happened with elk and deer and every, every other mm. species that we had around here. I think, you know, in the 1800s, the reason we didn't have deer in the 1900s is because it killed them out. Mm. You know, the reason there aren't elk out my back door is because someone had killed them out. Mm. And they didn't, it wasn't, there wasn't in their mind to go, sure. oh, this is not a, an infinite resource. And, and that's the way sure. I look at quail too. And, and yeah. I think that's how we have to look at quail, especially the Bob White. Yeah. Um, going forward is, is realizing that we are, we're still playing a game. You know, mm -hmm. this is, to me, it's a game. This is no different than going golfing. Yeah. I enjoy going and watch the dog work. Yeah. And you know, if I, if, if I take my dog out and I know there's three Covey behind my mom and dad's house right now, um, most of the time, I take them, I run them, start a pistol. They point, start a pistol. And I've killed enough quail in my life to be, I'm good. I've killed enough quail. I enjoy watching that dog work. Yeah. And it's no different than going and playing golf. I, yeah. I enjoy, you know, if we get, I count how many fines we get, if they stood their birds, if they fluff. Hey, hey, chill, chill. Um, sorry, got a, I got a female that loves to play. It's no, to you're play. good. Hey, man, it's a, it's a hunting dog um, podcast, so. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, I do that, and I, I keep tracks of it, and, and, and I'm very cognizant of it, and uh, especially nowadays. And you know, I, I, think, just, I think that's a really important thing you, you said there, because I think that's a, that's a big turning point, I think, for a lot of hunters. Because when we all start out, when I started out, it was all about kill, kill, kill. How many birds, find the birds, shoot the birds. There's a turning point where you start to appreciate the dog work, more than bagging the bird and that's that's kind of the aha moment that when things turn for me i think for a lot of the hunters where you can go out as long as you got good dog work and you might not have gotten the bird but if your dog worked well pointed well covered the field well like that's you can walk away feeling proud of that and that, that's that's a oh, yeah. aha moment and, and I think that's just maturing as hunters because I, I do know for a fact that that was not as much the case for non-field trialers sure. for a long time. Um, you know, I, the, the trial game's a whole different thing, you know, and that's something I'm, I'm learning myself more about is, is you know, because you don't shoot birds in the trials. It's, it's all gun. It's all uh, starter pistol. So, you know, watching that dog work to me is, is the key to the whole thing. And, and you know, growing up and, and now that I've kind of, got got more dogs and i'm into it into it for a different reason than just shooting birds it's it's sure. fun man i enjoy yeah. training the dogs i enjoy watching them watching them learn and you know and, and in different ways because this pointer pup of mine that i just got he's out of all age blood and uh he's gonna be it's training him will be completely different than training yeah. one of these setters over here oh uh, sure it, it's gonna you know it's like training a thoroughbred horse versus a tennessee walking horse definitely definitely hey i want to circle I wanted to circle back. Um, one thing you talked about was liberated birds versus uh, training pups on wild birds. And yeah. sounds like when you were, you were growing up in Kentucky, um, again, it's kind of that old school mentality of like wild birds are going to teach a dog a lot more. Yeah. There's always this interesting debate. Again, I talk to a lot of people, whether it's on social media or whatever, there's like, you know, again, I see both sides. Like wild birds, I agree, are going to teach a, a, a dog differently, right? Or, or, yeah, 100%. Yeah than a planted bird will. Dog's going to maybe figure that out. But on the other hand, like 
to some degree, people need to use liberated birds sometimes or planted birds because of their situation or location. But talk to me about kind of like what you learned from training young dogs on wild birds. You know, and this is something that I've really, I would say, noticed with these new dogs versus, <clears throat> versus you know, just what I grew up doing. Um, those wild birds, man, you know, when you got a dog that's only running on wild birds, he's going to bump them. He's going to bump them a lot, you know, because those, those birds ain't into staying there. <laughs> you know, they're into living. And <clears throat> what you, and, and, and the point I'll make, so I remember the first setter I had, I spent probably every day Christmas break, except for Christmas Day, running that dog. And, you know, running that dog basically meant I went out the back door, let her loose, and we were gone. It was 500 acres behind my mom and dad's house. It, you just go. And and I remember we would go, and she would bump birds, you know, and we were walking, just walk a fence row, and she'd bump a bird. And of course, she'd take off over the hill, and we'd go that way. You know what I mean? And you, but it's it's... That dog eventually learns, and I'll never forget, man, the probably, I think it was the last day of Christmas break. Um, we were walking down a fence row, and, and all of a sudden, just bam, hard point right there. And that, those, that whole covey was in a fence row, but she learned to stand her birds because it's mm. what happens with a liberated bird, and I've seen this with, with these recent older set of pups of mine, is if you get them on liberated birds too early, and you work them on liberated birds, the dogs don't learn manners. They think mm. they can they can pressure those birds because that liberated bird ain't gonna fly. He's gonna mm. wait for you to come up and get him. So that dog learns that he can get in on he can get in tight on them birds. And, and the the problem with that is when a dog doesn't learn manners and doesn't learn that is the game is for that bird to stay there. Every time he's he's gonna think you know if you are hunting wild birds, you're hunting pheasants or you're hunting you know chuckers or you're hunting any any even sure. wild bob whites man that dog's gonna think oh i smell that bird and i can get in within five five yards gone mm. they're gone so you know it's it's kind of at the point now and and i'm even about to be doing this so I, i'm going west to uh and this is we'll go into this too but like going west probably the first of september for a week and a half or so and uh gonna run with george hickox at their camp and it's mm. Basically, just get on a horse and you let you flock dogs. You know, you take however many dogs, 10, 15 puppies, and you let them go. Hmm. You let them chase because they're going to bump those sharp tails until they don't feel like bumping sharp tails no more. Hmm. And it's 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 doing what I said I grew up doing. You know, you grew up on wild birds, and you know if you get a dog that's getting into four, five, 10, 15 covey a day, you know they're going to learn real fast. Hey, <laughs> I get too close, birds are gone, fun's gone. Exactly. That's the game, man. And these dogs, they they want to play that game because when they when we all get puppies, we teach them, you know, I I'm everything that I do now, I've learned, you know, from George Hickox and I believe George is in my opinion, he's probably the best dog trainer um out there. And, and there's yeah. a lot of great ones, but I do believe George is, you know, it shows his dog's Chelsea Thunderbolt is, you know, winning a shooting dog ever. You know, yeah. George is trained Springer winners, trial lab winners, trains, uh, you know, canine dogs for the SEAL teams. I mean, he just knows his dogs. Yeah, and he does. He does a little bit of everything. Uh, talk he, about he, how'd you how'd you get connected with George? Because it wasn't it something in, with your you and your dad back in the day. You so got connected with George mine, somehow, or um, a friend of mine that uh, another bird dog mentor. Um, he was a trial guy and and retired trial guy and. Uh, you know, we I, I remember getting a pup, got probably 2009, 20, 2009. I had a really nice little pointer pup. And uh, 
and I was like, man, I think I want to do a little bit better. And um, and he goes, man, you need to meet, or you need to watch this George Hickox video. And he actually gave me a George Hickox video. It was basically just volume one through four pointers. And he said, if you follow this, you're gonna have a real great bird dog. And we worked together a little bit. Sorry, I got a dog trying to chew up a microphone cord here. And uh, so yeah, we uh, I watched that, and then you know George is pretty accessible. I, I got his email, and I was just pick his brain i've been picking his brain since 2009 you know on different things and and uh, earlier this year actually i would say late last fall I, I just i said hey george i'd really like to have a little more help i said i'd like you know these dogs to be bragging rights gun dogs and uh he said okay well uh, you need to come see me sometime so we went down my wife and i went down to georgia and down a little north of thomasville and uh and visited him and you know, I thought I knew a pretty good amount of bird, about bird dogs. I didn't know nothing, you know. And it's just it's it's the the process. And and as George always says, you pay you don't pay him because you know because of the winning dogs and the big pretty pointers. You pay him for the dogs he screwed up. And that's you know that's the that's the deal, man. And and I feel like that's the biggest part about training is knowledge. It's it's knowing why you're doing something and what you're and guaranteeing that outcome. Not just going, well, let's go put some birds out and let's go shoot them. People, I mean, I I've, I've was, you know, I recently became a NAVDA member here in Nashville, and, and I went to the training the other day, and and, uh, and the feedback after was like, well, what, you, you see anything we need to change? I was like, yeah, I think we need to have a training plan. Everybody needs to have a training plan because liberating birds, putting three or four quail out, you know, and bringing your dog and putting, putting your dog on point and shooting him, shooting them birds ain't that is not training as much as okay what are we trying to do hmm. okay so you got a dog you got a, a young pup at four months old is just learning don't stop him from chasing let that dog chase that's your forgiveness hmm. you know and i think that's the that's a real big thing for me is is educating people hmm. like i like i felt like i sought out knowledge and, you know when hmm. i have buddies that'll call me and i'll help and is is finding that knowledge that's going to help you on your next step. Don't hinder your next step. Help your next step. Yeah. And uh, you know, letting them puppies chase. Letting them chase because that's all that's going to do is is that's keep building, that fire. Building that, yeah, building that drive and excitement for them. Like getting to chase that birds. Like that's, I mean, that's again, a win, man. That's a win. Yeah. That's that's kind of a, a reward a little bit. And you got especially like you said, when they're pups, they got to keep that high. So yeah, because if you older. break them dogs too early, man, that, what I've seen too is you, if you break a dog too early. You, you lose your forgiveness because once mm. he's broke and you've made that dog stand it's then your then your your ice is a lot thinner yeah. you know if he loses his if you're in the market for a new premium upland hunting vest then look no further than final rise offering the sidekick the legacy and the tried and true summit series premium high quality made here in the usa check them out at finalrise.com Trinity Bretons is the home of the Epignol Breton, also known as the French Brittany. All Trinity Breton dogs are from champion bloodlines that are field tested and family approved. For over 33 years, Trinity Bretons has worked to offer you the best bred Epignol Breton in the country. Check them out at trinitybretons.com. Also on Facebook and Instagram at Trinity Bretons drive it's hard to go back and then make him love chasing them birds again mm -hmm. and uh 
it's different, man. It's fun. But that's, yeah. again, now, now I think the main thing goes back to the point we were talking earlier is yeah. having all those wild bird contacts where that yeah. dog has had 100 and 150 birds he's bumped and chased mm-hmm. where he wants to start standing. Yeah, you know, you can't make a dog stand before he wants to stand. He's, yeah. you know, I, I listened to a thing on Ike Todd the other day. I don't know if you're an Ike Todd fan or not, but he's about as good as it gets with puppies, mm-hmm. and uh, it shows because it, it feels like every one of his puppies is always a one winning mm-hmm. Derby of the year or puppy the you know puppy of the year. Yeah. And he uh, he said that he likes to get his dogs basically on the razor's edge of if. Somebody, if somebody farts, all them dogs are bumping. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, have, yeah. yeah. I've heard that. Man. I've heard someone else mention something similar. Like they kind of want your, they kind of want their own dogs on the edge a little bit. You kind of want them enough. Like you don't know if they're gonna be like, screw you, asshole. Like I'm gonna take off, or like yeah, just, I'll stand here now. <laughs> just, just so you on that edge, man. And and I feel like you know that's especially with this young pointer pup. You know, you keep them like that for a year. I mean, I, I know George has told me multiple times because I broke these two setters, the older setters. I broke them a little early, and uh, it's been real. I've been real careful of how much pressure you put on them early because you don't want them to get soft on you. And sure. uh, but this pointer pup, I probably won't break him till over after a year. You know, yeah, he'll be he'll be damn near an outlaw for a year. Yeah, but, totally. Just let him, let him have fun and chase and be a have fun be a pup. And no catching. That's that's the key to the whole yeah. equation. No catching. And that's goes back to our liberated birds. You can catch a liberated bird. You ain't catching yeah. a wild one. Well, well then, yeah, because then they they'd be like, oh, well, I caught caught him this one time. Oh, I caught him yep. this second time. Oh, I can just yeah. And catching it's, it's and, a slippery slope. The bird dog mantra is, you know, dog is going to try to get away with everything they can get away with. Yeah. You know, and if they did it one time, if you let them do it one time, you know, with training and. and it, again, I'm getting into George's deal. You'd probably be better to have him on because I'm, I'm, re- I'm just reiterating what I feel yeah, like. No, that's good. That's good. Um, well, I, you know, it's like, you know, if a dog, if you let a dog the variable reinforcement, a dog learns he can do it, he's going to do it, you know. And, and that's a huge deal. You know, if, if he gets away with something, if you say here and he don't come, you know, he's, he's learned, oh, I got away that time. You know, yeah. it's making sure that – you notify and correct every single time on those things like that. And I, I think that's that's the number one thing I see that's a problem with, with people mm. training dogs is it's the, the the dog gets a lot of slack and they can get away with stuff. You know? Well, the one thing I, I mean, I, I was guilty of for sure. I still am once in a while. Like here, 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 exactly. here, Gage, here. Well, he just learned that he can blow me off six times. He'd give you the middle <laughs> finger, man. You exactly. Know? And, and, it, and that's one thing that I remember learning God 10 years ago with George. And, and you know, it's like it, it, he flat out says it in those videos when you first get it. And it's like if you, if you didn't mean it the first time, he ain't going to believe you, you know. And that's it's, – it's funny when that dog realizes that you ain't joking. When you yeah. say stand or you say here or you say what, whatever the command is, there is, there is a – a bond that you get when you when that dog knows you meant it when you said it mm-hmm. and it takes yep. a little pressure it does take pressure to do that and yep. he's learning he's learning how much he can push you and they, and, yep. and I feel like as they grow they still will check you every once in a while and be like oh, you know is he serious the rules, the rules are the same whether you're out in the field running or you're sitting here in the upstairs if I said mm-hmm. H-E-R-E you know and as a command I'd expect it right now just like I expect it in the field Exactly. And, uh, are, are you um, are you a believer in the barrel barrel work for steadying up your dogs? Do you yeah. do that? Um, okay. Yeah, man. So, 
the barrel to me is just just like everything else. It's a tool. You know, I, I get the dogs up there and, and I love to stack them, you know, and that's making them learn. I think that's that's the one thing that with, with any dog training, whether it's Ike or whether it's George Hickox or, or Gary Lester or any of these guys that I feel like are, are great dog trainers and great dog men, uh, they all use a lot of different techniques. And you're just teaching that dog to learn more sure. than anything. That dog needs to learn to learn. And getting him up on that barrel, like this little pup I got right now, he uh, just learning to learn, learning to go upstairs. You know, it's make him learn how to go up and down upstairs. Make him learn how to, you know, do anything. If you want him to hop up on his chair, teach him how to do it. And it's those little things just going to make it easier as you go. I, I love that clicker too. You know, you teach him that what that clicker means because that's his reward. He's doing it for himself. Then he knows he's going to get paid, and uh, that it just makes it a lot easier because he's he, there's there's an incentive for him to do it. Sure. And uh, I'll get him up on that barrel and, and stack him, make his tail look pretty. You know, get a, you can get a, uh, a little piece of PVC, knock his head up, you know, make him, mm -hmm. make him look high. And sure. make his tail high, get him looking pretty. And then uh, as far as the woe goes on the barrel, I do like to start him on the barrel. Um, my, you know, my daddy always did it that way. Hold on, I got, got one eating a $600 pair of headphones here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> don't um, want that to happen. No, we don't. Uh, yeah, that, get him that on that barrel. Oh yeah, that's that a, that's a new new little pup. He's, oh, he's he's, he's a good he's a good looking puppy, man. It's funny, man. He looks like Dobby the Elf off Harry Potter. Yo, I can't unsee that now. <laughs> Cannot man. unsee that. The funny thing, pointers, man. They're when they get to be a big old male dog, they're beautiful. But I'm telling yeah. you, pups here are gangly and weird looking. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so get him up on that barrel and. Yeah. Well, make, the other thing is you get a chain. You know, when I do woe break them, this is a little further on down the line. Um, get them up on that barrel. Get the chain up because they're eventually – they need to learn that that barrel, if you put them up on there, they're staying. Sure. You know, and it's it, – this is old school way of doing it. But, you know, you, that dog is going to jump off. You better let him sit there for a minute. He needs to learn that, that – he needs to stay on that barrel. Sure. And uh, that's that's a tough thing for those dogs because when, they, when they're sitting there hanging for 10, 15 seconds – you put him up on there again, he probably ain't going to jump off. It's, sure. an, it, but it's, 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 that it's a learning moment for them. It's, it's immediate and it's impressionable. That's the main thing for, for dogs. And, and, again, I'm just robbing from what I've already learned. But, you know, immediate and impressionable corrections are what you want. You know, sure. if, if, you get, if he hops off that barrel and you say, oh, okay, you just put him back on, you're going to be spending the rest of the afternoon trying to you know working on his program he ain't working yeah. on yours well yeah because he didn't he didn't learn anything from that he didn't learn anything and, and, and i love a positive reinforcement i think that's a, a huge has to be 50 percent yeah positive reinforcements but negative reinforcements need to bear there too yeah and uh you know the barrel barrel's a great thing i, I think it, it's steady it gets them to know that standing still you know whether you because i we use stand first off as a working cue mm -hmm. um you know, it's a, that's the one that gets all the pressure. So you stand, you stand, sure. stand. When you're using your belly collar or a woe stick, I don't know if you've ever used a woe pole, woe stick, mm. big, big long piece. You take a piece of PVC because most of us teach here first command. Sure. Um, so most of the time, I don't know if you like had this problem that I've run into sometimes, but you'll uh, you'll say whoa or stand or whatever, and the dog wants to come right to you. Mm. You know, so you take a piece of PVC, you know, eight foot long put a clip on, you know, a latch on the end, and you walk in that dog and you say, stand. And he, instead of him, it's you. you oh, kind of a really long, stiff leash almost yeah, where you can stop exactly. him. Exactly. 
Exactly. She gotcha. can shop okay. that dog without him going oh, anywhere. I haven't heard of that. That's cool. Yeah, and then you then you click him, trade him. You know, he's, he said, and eventually, man, I've done it with, God, four dogs that ain't my own this year. And people come in and say, he always just comes here. And you get him on that whoa pole, 30 minutes, and I mm. guarantee he's going to be standing. So use that. That's use cool. your stand command. And then, you know, go to the belly collar and then just do it everywhere. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's cool. I've kind of got it down to an arc there on that. But, uh, yeah. But it's, you know, it's um, okay. Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, well, I turned the page a little bit. Um, so I know you've mentioned, so you got this, this pointer pup that's, again, got some, some all age in him, field trial dog. But you also mentioned you joined NAVDA. Yeah. So talk, talk to me about kind of the trial game. What, what are your kind of goals going forward? And what, what, what do you hope to get on NAVDA or do you hope to go down the trial route? You know, I, I think the thing for me is, again, following the, the direction of, of George is, you know, really just, sorry, I thought they were about to knock something over over there. Um, you know, NAVDA is a great place to meet people that are like-minded and have dogs and enjoy running dogs. And, uh, you know, I I don't plan on being a hunt test guy. I, I do want to know about hunt tests. I want to, you know, know the criteria, know what they're looking for in those dogs, those versatile breeds. I'm not a versatile breed guy, um, but I, I do, as, as somebody that's working towards training professionally, I think you do need to know if you call me and say, hey, I want to run a dog, you know, and uh, a utility test in six months. Can you help me get mm -hmm. the dog ready? Knowing what that criteria is, knowing that, you know, that dog needs to be out there pointing, he needs to be standing his birds and, you know, the retrieving and all that thing. It's just good to know. It's good to know. Yeah. People you're educating work. yourself on something yes. that you're not, you weren't familiar with, but you, you want to learn yourself. Yeah. That's cool. And, uh, and it's nothing wrong with any of that, man. I, I think everybody needs to be a member of those societies because it's, it's how we, we educate people that don't know. And it's, it's how we learn things that we don't know. And, and, there were some, you know, there were guys there the other day that had, that had been NAVDA members for 15 years, mm. and you know, we ended up having mutual friends, and you know, we we're gonna run dogs together this fall. And there were younger guys who were like, "Hey, man, I really like your dogs. How'd you get your dogs to do that?" And then mm. it's a teaching moment. I'm going, "Hey, man, like, where you, when you ran your dog, you you didn't do this, or you need to do a little more of that. And it's a great spot, man, especially for young people that, that have, on their first dog, I see they're, they're probably, shoot, there are probably at least four or five couples there that were just looking to buy a dog that didn't mm. know what they wanted and were just looking. And it oh, was wow, a that's great cool. spot. Yeah. And, uh, and the trial thing, man, I, you know, again, I did not grow up at trials. Um, so it's, it's been one of these things that working towards, you know, training at, at the high level, um, you basically got to be, if you don't, I don't think if you have, if you don't have that trial background or at least some qualifications of run a dog that's, that's done well. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like it's, it's a lot harder, um, training professionally. So, uh, I, I've kind of, you know, had long, long conversations about it and, and decided that it was time to get, you know, big running white dog, <laughs> you know, and, uh, going to take him West. And he, he comes out of a, a dog called Phillips linebacker. Uh, who was a, just a few points shy of being Purina Puppy or Derby of the Year this year, which is a unbelievable achievement. I think he won 13 times. Yeah. And, uh, oh, wow. you know, getting into it. And, and that gets me to <clears throat> going to this summer camp. I'm going out with George Hickox and uh, Sean Kinkler, I think, is there as well. Sean's a handler and great trainer. And mm. going to go out and spend a few weeks them, b behind them and watch them run dogs at, at that level. 
uh, mm. because I, I think you know we all get caught in running dogs with our buddies, but you go out and watch 25 dogs of the highest quality breeding running. It's a whole. You're gonna, you're gonna learn a little differently from them. You're gonna you learn a little differently. And it goes it goes straight back to just doing what we talked about earlier. They're running them dogs on horses, and you you take them and you flock 20, 15, 20 puppies or whatever it is. How many you got? And you flock them up, and you you let them run, and you start grouping them. You know, you go, hey, if this dog's running ahead of the pack and he's pointing to birds first, he might need to get in that other group. You know, he might be a standout. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, some dogs make it, some dogs don't. And um, you know, and and that's a game that I'm very interested in learning about. Uh, mm. You know, and getting getting into and you know it's it's gonna be interesting. I think there's the what is it the uh, United States Shooting Dog Open is gonna be out there as well. So I'm gonna go. I think George and them have a couple dogs in it. So I'm gonna go watch them, watch the dogs oh, run. Nice. Um, yeah, Dude, I, I a, love I love how you're just jumping into these things and 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 learning like like you don't know what NAVDA is, but you're jumping into it and going, yeah. hey, like all right, tell me about this. What what is it? What are the qualifications? Yeah. What like. Jumping into horseback stuff and and coming alongside to learn from people who know it, um, I, I, I like I, don't know, I like I appreciate your approach of saying, "Hey, I don't know it all, but I want to learn. I want to want to ask questions and and be alongside yes. you." Well, I, I think the main thing, and maybe it's just it's it's it, it's not songwriting. I've I've been so fortunate to again write songs for a living. That's the I mean, how the heck do you write songs for a living? I couldn't tell you how, but I could tell you what you need to do. You need to meet guys like me or the guy that I mentored under. I mean, I, I mentored under a guy that's probably got 18 number ones. You know, when he says, hey, you might want to do this, writing songs, yeah. you might want to do that. You know, <laughs> so it's, it's finding qualified people that have done it yeah. and, and learning from them. And, and because I feel like that knocks so many years off of learning mm-hmm. whatever trade. You know, if you go into, if you want to be an electrician, who's going to teach you to be an electrician? A master electrician. Yeah. Yeah, you learn by people that have done it before you, and, and yeah. going in there and saying, "Well, I know everything about training bird dogs." No, you mm-hmm. don't. You know, Farrell Miller does. You know, and that's who Ike Todd learned from. Sure. You know, and then Hick. I, I, you know, you, you got all these people, man, that are very approachable and awesome people that would love to teach you about bird dogs. You know, and they're you know, and there's multiple people. I got a friend, Ronnie Eldridge, who's a big setter guy. He's in East Tennessee. And, and I call Ronnie about stuff all the time. And even stuff like, hey, I want to build my kennel out a little more. What kind of, what size doors do I need to get? He knows. He says, you want to get a two foot door, not a four foot door, because the dog's going to run out from under you. <laughs> but, you know, but it's little things like that. Yeah. Little things like that, man. And learning. And I think being a student of anything that you're interested in is, is paramount. Yeah. You have to be a student. You have to be willing to find somebody that's going to teach you about it and, uh, and have the drive. And, and with the trial thing, you know, I, I didn't grow up on horses, but I, you know what I've been doing this all for the past six months. I've been going with a friend of mine and going riding horses, you know, and learning how to do it better. Um, you know, I probably, oh, that's on, awesome. probably been on 15 or 20 horses in my life. And, uh, and I called somebody and I said, hey, man, I want to come up and ride horses because I might buy one. So we've been going. I've been going up and riding horses, and I looked like a drunk sailor the first two or three times I was on it. But, <laughs> it's uh, it's hard, man. It's 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 not easy. It, you know, it's not like going and riding a trail horse up at the the local trail ride. You know, it's when you right. start trotting and you're trying to get them to lope and do the whole thing. I mean, that's a yeah. that's a different deal. But yeah, you know, it's because I, I want to do it, and you know, 
it's it's because it's it's in the pursuit of being better than what you are, and that's what yeah. we're all doing. We're, we all I want our that. dog to look. We all want our dog to be the best out there, whether they are or not. You know, if you and I end up going hunting, nothing's going to make me happier than watch your dog point all the birds. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's just it's just having fun and it's going sure. out and it's enjoying. Because at the end of the day, it's all a game. Yeah. You just said yep. it's not a life or death thing. It's a game. Man. Yeah. It's and, a game. That's a good good perspective to keep in mind. Yeah, and you know, even the guys that are running for twenty five thousand dollars at the Ain- national at Ames every year, you know, mm-hmm. still a game. Yeah. It's a little more expensive game, but it's a game. <laughs> it's a game still. Yeah, yeah that's what game. it is. I uh, I remember I um, so last or this past spring I was getting ready. I was running a, a horseback trial with my younger dog Win in a uh, puppy stake. And uh, yeah, so I went out with my mentor, did the whole horse thing beforehand, and it's it's tough, man. Like, like you oh, said, the, the the trotting and the just regulating the speed, and once they get going, it's like, oh, this is this is a little. I mean, <laughs> it was a it was eye opening for me. I, I I thought it was gonna be this. Oh, like get on a horse, no big deal. No, it not. was something else. My back was screaming the next day. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh oh. Uh, but you know, man, I, I think the main thing is is it, with with bird hunting and the problem that we're running into is it's become such a thing it's it's hard to get into so people are scared to get into it you know nobody mm-hmm. wants to take all that time nobody wants to learn how to ride a horse nobody wants to learn how to work these dogs and and i've been trying to figure out ways to get more people more involved yep. you know getting you know whether it's having a puppy day at my house whether it's because we got my wife and I are very fortunate to have, you know, some land here right right, pretty much inside of Nashville. And, um, you know, it, I just want to get more people involved in it because I want to sit people to see what I see in these dogs. And if we don't watch out, it's going to be gone. Yeah. You know, that, that's what's the it, problem. What's it like? I was going to ask you, kind of like living in Nashville, is it, I mean, again, I think of like Denver. Denver is not a very bird dog place it's you get a lot of you know pets and you know house dogs and stuff what is it like raising bird dogs in kind of the the greater nashville area you know i think people know what i would say people know nashville's become very much a denver over the past few years it's a lot of lot of influx people um and you know i would say your country folk might know what a bird dog is um but most people go well my granddaddy had bird dogs I, if I've heard that once, I've heard it ten times. My granddaddy had bird dogs, hmm. and you know, because I'm fortunate enough, as I said, to be able to write songs, and and I have people over here a lot. This is my studio and stuff we're in right now. Um, you know, the dogs are usually hanging out. They're like, oh yeah, I had I had somebody who was it, L.V. Shane. I don't know if you're a country guy, but L.V. Shane was over here the other day. Real real awesome guy. Just had his first hit. Hell of a singer. Hell of a songwriter. And he's over here, and we were writing, and uh, he said, man, I love them setters. My granddaddy had like three of them. Hmm. And I was like, we'll get you one. Ah, man, I don't know. And the problem is, I, I think a lot of people believe there aren't any birds anymore, so why would you have a dog? Hmm. And, you know, it's just one of those things where I think if we go another generation down the line of not getting people into this, it'll be one of those things where nobody's, there's no money for it. There's no, you know, people don't want to do it. People, you know, it's just going to be a tough thing. And I think, you know, because bird hunting for a long time was kind of like fishing. Ain't nobody really want to talk about where they went bird hunting, you know. Sure. And that's it's still that way a little bit. Oh yeah. Guys, and you know, I instead of doing that, man, and I, I know you have a lot of public land up there, so it's it's great. But man, I, I almost tell people where my hunts. But you get a dog, and I'll take you there. 
let's go. I'll help you work your dog, whatever you want to do. And I think that's, that's, that's how we need to be with these people because it's so scary. I mean, getting a dog for the first time, I mean, if you, if you go out and you spend, you get a good, you know, I wouldn't recommend a pointer for most people. I, actually, I would. Pointers, I mean, depends on what kind of pointer. I wouldn't recommend getting yeah. one out of all-age dog. It's sure. a different thing. But if it's, you go, it's a Ferrari. You know, yeah, it's a Ferrari, but they, they point in the womb, man. A pointer's going to point. <laughs> you know, that's, that is, there ain't no doubt about that. I had two LHU pointers. Uh, as a kid, and they did two things, and that was run and point, and <laughs> killed a lot of birds. Um, you can't, but, can't you know, get better I, than that. You know, I would recommend people getting a dog from from as good a blood as they can get. You know, and you can or you can't teach a dog to run, but you can teach a dog to come and stay within a region. So, even getting a big running dog, there ain't nothing wrong with that. And mm-hmm. you know, get him and 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 getting those people to to know what to do with these dogs it's it's tough man i mean i had a, a friend of mine get a, a a small mustard lander and he was like man i need help i don't know what to do so he's been getting him over here and you know i got a big old pigeon coop and getting him out there and getting them pigeons and man he's like that's so awesome to watch that dog chase those pigeons and point you know start pointing and, and do the yeah. whole thing and i said yeah that's it but people don't know they need. They got to learn, and you well, got to. And you got to. You got to give them a little success too. You got to set set people up for success. If you if you go, I don't know, a year or two with with no success on whether it's a your dog pointing for the first time or finding birds for the first time, like yeah. giving them some success along the way, and, and I think as mentors or as someone you're walking along, I think helping set that person and that dog up for success is going to add to their their experience for in longevity of going. Hey. Yeah. I, I got a taste of it. I, I saw what my dog can do. I, I, I got excited. Like, it's going to, I think, make an impact longer term on them. Yeah, and, and I think the thing that, you know, we see, and I see this a lot, especially when people bring their dogs over to, you know, work or need help on something. You know, we don't, a lot of people, young, young people with the first dogs, don't set their dogs up to win. You know, when they're training, it's like they're trying to trick them. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's, I saw that in, in a few situations where, People will put a bird, they'll put one bird in a launcher, and you know, if that dog goes and tries to run in there on it, which they're probably gonna do, and if they yank it cord or something like that. And it's it's always setting the dog up to win and setting you up to win. And because that's at the end of the day, man, when you know, somebody comes over and says, Oh my I had a guy brought a lab. My lab won't retrieve for nothing. He doesn't he doesn't like to retrieve his five months. He's a, he's a dud, he's a lemon. I said, Well just bring him over. So he brought him over and I, you know, I said, so he don't retrieve. So I went, went out in the coop and got a pigeon, locked the wings. I shook it out there like that. And I tossed that bird. Guess what? The lab bolted, got that bird and brought him right back. And I said, this bitch retrieves. I said, you ain't made him win. I said, you hadn't set the dog up to win yet. And I said, that's the key, man. Set that dog up to win. He doesn't give a damn about bumpers. So what? I said, but he, you know, I don't, I don't remember going out and shooting a bumper with a shotgun. Yeah, so live bird though got him excited. Got him like, hey, this is got him fun. Fired up. And we did that for forty-five minutes. I, I, you know, he'd kill a pigeon. I'd go get another lock a wing, toss it out there, and and then you know I, I clip wing, toss a clip wing out there. And he, man, he had so much fun. I said, you know, just because the bumper didn't work doesn't mean he's a dud. Just like anything, I yeah. said, you got to set him up to win, and get that get that pigeon out there. And I said, maybe you just need to go bridge pigeoning. You know, get you a little loft and get you about 10 pigeons out there. And I said, that's just going to be what he does until you force break him to retrieve. Yeah. And, uh, but it's just, again, it's, it's imparting the knowledge because if, if, if we hadn't have done that, he might have just 
called that dog a lap dog, you know, yeah. and been done with it. And now yeah. he's going to be, yeah. he'll probably end up being a nice little gun dog. So that's awesome. it's a knowledge. Knowledge is key. And, and, and having the opportunities and the, and the tools to build these dogs is to yeah. me, the, the, the way, whether you win or you don't win. That's cool. Um, well, as we start to kind of wrap this up, a couple more questions for you and, uh, we'll get, we'll get going here, but, um, with your dogs now, so you got the setters, the pointer pup, um, I guess t- tell me a little bit about, more about the setters, like why the setters and then why the pointer was, was a pointer just because you really want to kind of get that big run in trial dog. So yeah, t- just so talk a little bit about the mindset around uh, those two different breeds. You know, I'll start with the pointer and, and this is again, just information that I've gathered over the years and. But, you know, you look at, if you look in the trial game, and there's probably people listening that are like, oh, my God, you can run a setter, you can run it, whatever you want. But um, most of the time it's pointers. And uh, the, the reason that pointers usually do so good is because they process glycogen differently than any other dog. Um, so they're, they're fat tanks. You know, they were a pointer, were setters, and every other, every other dog out there, point and breed or whatever, they process glycogen. They got the diesel tank and then the jet fuel. They run through the jet fuel real quick, right? And then they then they then they slow down. They're running on the diesel fuel. Well, pointers can run on the jet fuel, and then they can process they process the jet fuel and the diesel differently. They they process glycogen differently, so they can run longer than any other dog because they're they're physically a different dog. Wow. Um, so that's why you see those dogs just flat out outperforming. Yeah. Um, that's why they're breeding uh, like the. Uh, sled dogs are getting bred to English pointers because they want that dog to be able to process that glycogen differently. Wow. Okay. So it's it's they're metabolically diff. They're a different dog. They can run longer, they're, run farther, run faster. Run longer, farther, faster. Yes. Wow. And and that's what you want in a dog. It's gonna be running a three hour brace. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and not saying a setter like my setters come out of Shadow Oak Bow, which won okay. he won national twice, 2013, 2014, okay. in the all age, which you know that's a big running dog. Yeah. And. Uh, but you know, I, I love a setter. I grew up with Llewellyns and some English setters. I got an old English setter right here. She's 13 and a half. And, and to me, I, I like setters because they're, t- in, in my opinion, and this is worth absolutely nothing, but in my opinion, there is nothing prettier on point than a setter. I, hmm. I just love their gait. I love the way they run. I love when they point birds, the staunchness, the tail, everything about a pointer or everything about a setter is class. You know, it's Cadillac where you got a pointer to me is a Ferrari, you know? Mm. Everybody likes a Ferrari, but ain't nothing bigger than a Catholic rolling in. And these, and it's funny, because I got a female, when I bought these two puppies and and kept these two, my male runs like, uh, you know, he runs like a trial dog. He runs, he gets up and going, he's 400, 500 yards before you know it. My female, on the other hand, has an absolute nose I mean, she is long nose, and uh, but she is meticulous and she's slow hmm. on purpose. She hmm. ain't ever gonna bump birds. She was pointing wild birds. Hey, let me get that. Don't need you chewing that up. She was, uh, hold on. You know, she was pointing wild birds at four months old. Hmm. You know, and, and doing it well, holding the birds. I killed wild birds over uh, at four months, and I got. I'll send you a picture. She. And we're talking, I killed four or five birds one day, just accidentally out there. And uh, she was, she got it, but she would never be a trial dog because she's too meticulous. She wants to run slow. She wants to check it out. And she, sure, lots of point. And uh, on the flip side, this male that I have, 
it took an act of Congress to get him to stand his birds. He's he's all about them running and that chasing, and uh, and uh, so it's yeah, it's different. And, and and that's the that's the thing with these dogs is ain't none of them the same. You know, the the tricks that I pull to get this male to stand would be too much pressure for that female. Hmm. And, and and vice versa, do with the stuff I do with the female wouldn't be right for that male. And but setters yeah. are fun, man. They, they're a great dog, and, and and I'm excited with this pointer. He's you know he's a little bit of an outlaw, and he's going to be an outlaw for about the next year. But get him out there, get him chasing them birds, get him get him where he feels like he don't want to chase them no more, and then yeah. we'll start settling into it. But it's uh, that's awesome. It's what uh, what are the what are the names of all your setters and your pointer? So. The registered names, so my wife and I always think that the, the bird dog community is hilarious because you got, like, their daddy's name's Aaron's Wild Atlantic Way. Yeah. What does that even mean? So <laughs> I love paper names. They're hilarious. They're I, hilarious. I think they're so cool. So we got, for my wife, we got Bryant's, my male setter here, Bryant's uh, Mac Truck Mac and Cheese. And then we got Bryant's Pepper on a Brisket. And uh, so we got Mac and Pepper, the male and the female. And then nice. uh, then we got, I got a, a setter pup out of Ponderosa Mac. He's a real nice setter pup. His daddy, cover dog, nine-time cover dog champion. He's an absolute stud. And this, this little new setter puppy of mine, he's, he's real nice. His name's Percy. And Brian's Percy Q. And a real, the, the guy that actually introduced me to Hickok's, uh, he okay. used to be on Sirius Satellite Radio. And... Um, had a show on there called, and his call name was Percy Mandoberg, and he would just give like all the. He was, he was oh my gosh, and he's, he was a hell of a guy, and I loved bird dogs and loved everything, and and I ended up naming that dog Percy just after him, and he's passed huh. on, but I named that dog after him, and then uh, this new pointer puppy, um, long story. We were thinking about names. I'd about run out of names, and uh, my great 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 grandfather was a sheriff in Kentucky and uh, a guy and the old story it's actually in the courthouse it's funny you can read it but he had there was a guy that had killed some woman and he was hiding out in a cave and he the, the as the legend goes he went in the cave and killed this guy and drug him out had him over his horse and brought him in and they had a big parade or whatever in town his name but his name was Jakey so I have Bryant Sheriff Jakey that's, that's hilarious that's but yeah, it's funny, man. And, and you it's know, fun dogs, to come up with those. It, it is. And paper names are funny. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, but, it make yeah, them stand we, uh, out on the on the pedigrees and well, look back I on. Well, I laughed. Something that would look good in front of the Purina Dog Awards. That's what I. That's what I like. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have your sight on. Have your sight on that goal. Um, all right, brother. We're gonna wrap uh, wrap things up here. A um, couple of questions I like to ask every guest before we uh, before we wrap up. Um, thinking, uh, let's say that there's that rookie out there, someone who yeah. is heading into their first bird season. Um, maybe they just picked up their first bird dog. What's a piece of advice that you would give them? Um, I would tell them to buy the Hickox DVDs, Point Dog First <laughs> Year, and then Point Dog Volume One through Four. Um, I, I think that is a wonderful foundation. There's a million ways, you know, you can get online and look, but find instead of mixing and matching programs when you when you first get your first bird dog, just get one. It's kind of like learning to run before you know how to walk. Get you an idea of what you what what it is what you're doing, because you know the main thing that I feel like building bird dogs you building a foundation, then you building the walls, but the walls can't go unless there's a foundation. You know, get you a clicker, you know, get 
Oh, God. Uh, sorry, I had a dog jump on it. Mike almost went down. Mike almost went down. Um, you know, get you a clicker. Ain't nothing wrong with clickers. I think that's a great way to get the dog to learn his tricks, you know. Um, get the point dog DVDs and, uh, and find somebody that knows about bird dogs, you know. And, and sorry, my wife's called them all downstairs. Uh, it's mass exodus. Um, yeah, just find, find a mentor. Whether, and even if it's somebody that you can send emails to. Because we all learn that way. I remember, what was it? Uh, Gary Lester, handler of the year, had, had all-age dog of the year multiple times. Gary's going to be a Hall of Fame guy. And uh, he was talking about his first bird dog, and he, he got it from Farrell Miller, who's a legend, led bird dog legend. And he said he used to call Farrell Miller all the time, be like, Farrell, Spud, I don't know what Spud's doing. I don't know what Spud's doing. But it, it just goes to show somebody that now is Hall of Fame level he used to call his mentor. He used to call and go, hey, man, he ain't doing this, or he ain't doing that, or he's he's doing this. How do you fix it? Because that's, you know, if you have that person, even if it's an email, even if it's a DM on Instagram, hell, send me a message. And if I know how to fix it, I'll help you. And and you as well. I mean, people that have done it, we can. there's people that can help you move it along and make sure you do the right thing. Yeah. That's great advice, man. I love that. Um, yeah, I, I think even like you said, even it doesn't have to be someone who lives right next to you. You go to their house all the time. It can be someone you ask questions to online or pick up the phone and, and talk to them Across once in a while. Across the world, man. Yeah. You know, that's doesn't... we live in a an awesome situation now because, when, you know, when I was growing up, I mean, I had my dad and his friends really to ask about bird dogs. Sure. And, you know, again, now I can pick up the phone and if I got a problem, I can call anybody from anywhere and go, hey, man, like, I don't know. Is this the right way to do this? Yeah. And you find out, yeah. you know, it's you, preemptive measures are better than surgery after, you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> surgery after the fact, <laughs> you know, doing it right the first time is going to save you a whole lot of headache later on down the road. Absolutely. All right. Uh, last section here is our rapid fire round. So I'm just going to ask you a couple, a uh, couple questions and you just give me your off the cuff answer and uh, we'll go from there. All right. Love it. All right. For you, what came first? The gun, the dogs, or hunting? Um, probably hunting. Hunting, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is always a fun one. How many clays or trap clays or whatever? You, people have different terms for it. I don't understand them all. How many clays have you ever hit in a row? Gosh, we got to throw her behind the house. Um, I would say... Seven or eight. I'm a, okay. I'm a pretty good. I'm a pretty good shot, but I ain't that great a shot. <laughs> I like the honesty. Um, what gun are you carrying into the field, and why? Ruger Red Label. Um, that's what my daddy always had, and and uh, I just love the way they feel. Uh, I got a twelve and a twenty. Um, most <laughs> good. I'm still on. <laughs> my wife goes, "How'd it go, babe?" Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, I, I love a Ruger Red Label. Um, my wife took an affinity for an over and under. I, gave, I got her a bread of 391, and uh, she decided she wants an over and under. So I think, nice. I think I'm going to get her a silver pigeon here soon. Oh, there you go. That's a nice gun. That's a nice, That's a nice gun. Yeah, Which, nice what, what do you prefer? Do you just use a 12 and a 20 in different situations, or do you do you like one better? Yeah. For, for uh, quail hunting, I prefer a 20, maybe even a 28. Um, I got a little Stevens 555 28 gauge. That is a, it's a great quail gun, man. And it don't weigh nothing. 
Oh, I bet. Um, but for, for most growing up, I had a uh, – uh, what did Dad give me? Sportsman 58. That was an old Remington Sportsman 58 from the 50s and 60s. And he uh, – that was pretty much the gun I carried because he didn't mind if I messed it up. And so, But as I got older, he, my daddy always had a bunch of shotguns. And yeah. He let me use his Rugers and, and, and stuff like that. And I love an over and under. I feel, it feels like art when you shoot yeah. that gun. You know, so mm. that's, that's, that's awesome. Love it. Um, okay, favorite dog breed besides the ones you own? Man, um, besides the ones I own, uh, I love a lab. Hmm. I Classic. love a lab. You know, one thing that I, I think that we run into a lot is if, if you don't really know what you're doing, get the dog that you have the highest percentage of it being right from the start. Hmm. If you want to hunt and you don't, this is your first bird dog, don't get a weird breed because the, because the, the chances of it out of 100 dogs, the chances of that dog being a great dog is lower. You get a lab, and I don't care, you know, 99 and a half out of 100 times, a lab's going to love birds. He's going to retreat. He's going to, if you want to go hunt pheasants, you can hunt pheasants with him. You can hunt ducks. You can go hunt anything you want to hunt. A lab will do it. Um, aside from an English pointer and English setter, that would be the uh, that would be definitely be the dog that I would own. Yeah, that's awesome. Classic. Can't go wrong with a, a good old all around uh, all around do it all lab. There it. Um, favorite bird to hunt and why? I gotta go love you. Bye. Love you, honey. Sorry, <laughs> wife's heading out of time. Uh, all good. Uh, yeah, I love it. You know, a bob white. If you're hunting wild bob whites. In, in in Kentucky, I love it. I love the 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 landscape, the way the hills roll, the, where the birds land, where the birds go. I think there's something magical about being able to navigate the cropland versus the fence row versus the mm. thicket. You know, those birds live in a very diverse you know ecosystem, and it's sure. fun hunting. But I I will say. There's something about a southwest Kansas pheasant that I do really like. Mm, close second? It's it's like a almost a tie for first. But okay. just I think nostalgia might beat it out just a little bit. Of course, of course. Okay. All right, last question here. Uh, beverage of choice after a hunt. Beverage of choice. Most of the time it's a water because I'm damn tired. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I... Uh, <sighs> You know, it's funny, man. I, I used to I used to do a whole lot of drinking in my younger days. And I say younger days, I'm 32, but I started early. I, I was playing in bars at 14 years old, and the old oh men gosh. thought it was so funny to get the 14-year-old kid playing guitar drunk. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, so I started early. But, you know, I'll drink a little whiskey every once in a while. I'll pour me one, especially with the, the bird hunting. The best part about that is, you know, when I go on my elk hunts, I'm by myself. Yeah. Always. I spent two weeks by myself in Colorado last year. Yeah. Bird hunting is communal. It's community. Yeah. When you get done, bird, you're, you're cutting up and talking, and if you miss a shot, I'm going to give you shit. Mm. You know, but that's, that is the real fun part about it, man. And when you're done, you hop in the truck, everybody goes back, all the dogs are running around the camp, you yeah. know, and then you've got, you know, you making dinner, and everybody drinks a little whiskey, and we get up and do it again tomorrow. That's, to me, the best part about bird hunting is because it's not – solo you're not out there you against the elements it's you me we're hanging out and if we get to kill some birds it's great and yeah. if you finish that off with a beer you finish that off with a whiskey and have a steak 
even better. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, all right, I'm going to throw one more surprise question in there. Um, mm -hmm. Either or, which would you prefer, writing a song or playing the song, if you had to pick one? If you asked me uh, about five years ago, I'd probably say playing a song. And as I've gotten older, um, I, I, I enjoy the process of writing. It's, as I said, it's very similar to training dogs. You know, you start with nothing and you end up with something. And uh, it's, it's fun. I, I love writing songs. I love the craft. It's what brought, it's what brought me to Nashville is I wanted to write songs professionally. And it's, uh, it's a challenge. You never know, you know, when, when it's done. You never know when you're, you're, the magic's going to run out, but it ain't run out yet. And I, I, love, I love crafting songs. Yeah, that's cool, man. Well, you have uh, you have a new song that just uh, released pretty recently. Uh, is it people yeah. people think right? Is a single yep. you released? Came out, Did you came out at midnight last night? Yeah, that's awesome. Did you write that yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So in Nashville, you you co-write. So every day, I mean, for really for the next four months on my calendar, uh, I've got different people every single day. And you you know you come into the room and and everybody's Percy. Sorry, he had tangled up in that course. So, yeah, every day you get in with different guys and you, you go, hey, man, let's write the best song we can write. And I wrote this song with some really good friends, uh, Smith Onquist and Jeb Gibson. Okay. And uh, Smith has written a bunch of the Hardy stuff. I don't know if you're a Hardy fan, but he wrote a bunch of stuff for him. And okay. just a good guy. And, and we wanted to write a song about, you know, we all grew up in little small towns. And, and we wanted to write a song about the people that we know there. So mm -hmm. we wrote the song People Think, and, and we're all real proud of it. And I'm proud of it. And... I did it all right here, exactly where huh. I'm sitting. Recorded. Wow. I played pretty much every instrument on there and produced it, and you know it's a uh, it's fun. I enjoy it. That's a, it's oh, a that's blessing. Fantastic. Is is writing a song just just real quick, kind of like you get people in the room and you start spitballing ideas, stories, yeah. pastimes, just like we're and, doing right now, man. Just say, hey, man, what what are you up to today? Oh, nothing. Well, awesome. Will you, you got any ideas? Well, I got this one called. You know, blah, blah, blah. I like that. How would that go? And we'd go, well, maybe it's an upbeat thing. Kind of sound like a Kenny Chesney song. Okay, well, how'd that go? And you might play a little lick on the guitar. Well, I love that. All right, well, how'd the first verse go? Then you go, and well, maybe be this. Or how'd the chorus go? And you just start writing lines. And then, you know, we've just all done it long enough that it just kind of happens, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, well, that's it's cool, fun. man. I don't I know bet. how it works. I, I, don't, I really <laughs> don't know how it works. I just but keep you, doing it. Yeah, but you get an end product, and look at that. It's on you know, Spotify yeah, and iTunes and all that stuff. But they keep paying. That's all that matters. They yeah, keep, right. <laughs> they keep paying. That's all. The day they stop paying, I think we'll probably worry, get worried. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just it's not, not the same. Yeah, ain't no well, doubt. Well, Ken, dude, this has been so much fun. Um, if people want to follow along, not only with your music, but uh, things with bird dogs and training, how can they reach out to you? How can they follow along on your journey? Yeah, so I, I've... Just kind of separated my bird. I didn't want to kill all my people that don't know nothing about bird dogs with bird dogs. So I, I started a second Instagram page just for bird dogs. And uh, so you can find me on Instagram at, at Kenton Bryant. Um, it's the blue check mark one. Don't follow any of the other ones. I don't know who thinks it's cool to make fake profiles, but a lot of people do. So follow the one with the blue check mark. And, uh, and my bird dog page is uh, we point birds, we underscore point underscore uh, birds. And, um, just go in there, follow that. And it's a lot of the stuff I just like, if I'm training or it's something that I feel like somebody might be interested in watching, you know, it's, I'll put it on there. I mean, it's a lot of simple stuff of like bird introduction or, you know, and I've had friends of mine reach out and be like, hey man, like, didn't know that's how you did it. 
so it's educating. Yeah. And, and, and again, more than anything, yeah. pe letting people know that there's, you know, there's a million ways to do it, but there's a lot of wrong ways to do it too. So, you know, check this out and, and, and I enjoy it, man. I enjoy posting that stuff on there and, and, uh, y'all connect with me and, and the good thing is, is i travel a lot to bird hunt so if anybody's listening to this and y'all want to come bird hunt out here or you, you let's get, get up somewhere let's go because i you know it ain't nothing to pack some dogs up and and head to montana which i plan on doing by the way so nice nice yeah it's uh it's it's fun man we'll do it that's awesome brother that's awesome well yeah i know we've been talking a little bit about what this fall looks like and uh, we'd love to uh share a field or two with you and uh, we'll see if we can let's make that it. happen but um, thank you so much for your time, dude. This has been a blast. Um, I appreciate you uh, having you on and uh, you know giving us a, a little over an hour of, uh, of your time. So I appreciate it. Thank you, man. And, and let me know when it comes out and I'll make sure to, to blast it out to all my people because I think there's a, a, there's a lot of people that have enjoy, enjoy hearing us talk about bird dogs and writing songs. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, thanks again. You take care. Thanks, buddy. Well, that's a wrap of episode 53 with Kenton Bryant. Kenton, thank you so much, man, for spending time with us, uh, sharing some of your passions. Um, it just it shows through so clearly um, that uh, this life of bird dogs and training and trialing and hunting, it's, it's what you live, it's what you breathe. And so thank you for taking the time to uh, sit down with us. Hey guys, don't forget, uh, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave a rating and review. Um, those really, really help the show. Get out there to more hunters just like you. And share it with a friend. Share it on social media. Um, you know, Share it in your story on Facebook or Instagram and just say, hey, this episode, I like this part or this was interesting or whatever it might be. Uh, again, it's going to help the reach get out there to more people who uh, might enjoy this or might not. I'm not sure. <laughs> so anyways, guys, uh, it's been so fun. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for the support. Uh, just remember, we got 30 days, 30 days until September 1st hits. So get those dogs ready, get them conditioned, uh, get them ready. Hit September 1st well. Make sure those dogs aren't slouching. Make sure they're not sitting on the couch eating chips. <laughs> get them out there. Let's run. Let's go. Come on. Uh, we got season coming up here. So anyways, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, until next week, go put some miles on those boots and follow your favorite bird dog. Take care.